This is the Falcon Twin Podcast from falcontwin.com. I'm Brendan, and this is commentary for pages 180 to 194. Before I start today, I want to mention that last week I was interviewed by none other than Joe and Chris Broodloss of Alpha Shade, the webcomic, and Alpha Rant, the podcast, and I had a really great time talking with them, and it's a really fun interview, and there's going to be more on the way. So if you haven't heard it already, you should go to alpha-shade.com and go download it and read their comic and buy their merchandise because it's all really great stuff. Page 180, Dinner and Dancing. So there's the establishing shot in the first panel. If you look above the door, you can see the sign for the Dragon's Slave Tavern and a really awful dragon, which kind of looks more like a dog or something. There's a person walking out of the building, and if you look at the window on the left, you can see the silhouette of Evan, and just behind the curtain, you can also see the silhouette of Mika. In the second panel, Mika's kind of angrily looking over at Tresca, having just finished her dance with this guy and a nice fruity drink in front of her. Mika's kind of pissed off for a whole variety of reasons, not only because she never gets to dance herself, but also she's not too thrilled with the idea of guys hitting on Tresca, and so she's subconsciously jealous of that. And then Mika makes a sort of passive-aggressive comment in the final panel about Tresca being able to dance, and Tresca, totally oblivious to the spite in the comment, just takes it as a natural statement. Mika's internal monologue, as she says, how the hell should I know, is mainly meant to imply that she never has the opportunity to dance, so she really has no idea whether or not she could dance at all, which probably means that she can't dance. Page 181, The Dance of Destitution. So I'll redeem Tresca a little bit. She wasn't just dancing with the guy because she liked dancing with guys. She was dancing with the guy to take all his money. And in panel three, you can kind of see that Mika is a little bit happy to see this and is sort of smiling about it. Evan is having problems dealing with this, as you can see. And Mika uses the lolling conversation to lead into a little bit more exposition about the Durad and what progress Evan made, which basically just is a way of covering a lot of ground without having to show Evan going from person to person and asking about had they been harassed by the Durad and, and that sort of thing. Page 182. Again, here's more exposition on the Durad, telling who they are and what they're up to. And this is background for what's going to be happening, particularly at the beginning of Chapter 5, where they're all going to be meeting with the head priest, and he's going to be explaining to them what they need to be doing and why they need to go find him and stop him. Evan does mention that the Durad are probably still in town, which is a little bit also foreshadowing for Sydney, although no one has at this time any idea that Sydney is connected with the Durad, and actually won't for uh, quite a while. Evan takes another opportunity to make a dig at near Tendra. If you look at the background of this page on panel 3, you can actually see Annika's boot behind Tresca off to the right, which is a bit of a tie-in to the appearance that she's going to make in a few pages from now. Page 183. Drinking beers, beers, beers. Rolling fatties, smoking blunts. Who smokes the blunts? We smoke the blunts. Rolling blunts and smoking. Right. Now this was an interesting page where people seem to think that I was actually responding to their comments in the forums or on the shout box where people weren't entirely clear on what Mika was drinking and so they thought that I was telling them. But if it really mattered, I would have just said so in the forums and the whole title of this page, Drinking Beers, 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 is just a movie reference that was relevant because Mika's drinking beer not intended to explain it or anything. Although there is a page title which I was intending to have explained something later on, which didn't work out so well at all, and I'll talk about that when I get there. Anyways, title aside, Mika is looking quietly out to the outside of the building and sort of lost in thought. I really like Evan's look at Tresca in the third panel on this page. He's sort of getting more used to Tresca's profession, even though he's still annoyed with it. At least he's not vocally complaining about it all the time. 
So they say goodnight to Mika, and in the final panel, Mika looks out the window. I really like the final panel on this page. It's The background's fairly tight. It's not like some of the other backgrounds around here, which have been fairly loose and kind of messy. In this one, you can actually see the buildings outside and the people around there. You can see Evan and Tresca in the background, the big tree, which is the big tree in the establishing shot of near Candela. So it's kind of nice, and Mika leads in with her internal monologue to the next page, page 184, pensive. Engaged in, involving, or reflecting deep or serious thought. So here we have Mika trying to come to terms with this weird situation that she's found herself in. And she's finding herself a little bit homesick, but not all that homesick, which actually gets explained here. The fact that she, even though she's a little bit uncomfortable with the situation she's in now, she might not even consider going back home, even if she had the opportunity, because at least it's not as bad as the life that she had when she was there. Which, when you think about it, wasn't too bad. She was just being picked on. And it was kind of cushy by comparison to this, but at least here she feels like she has some friends and has some relevance. And of course, there's more subconscious explanation of Mika's feelings for Tresco, where she talks about why Tresco would even bother with her. And even the language that Mika uses is kind of the language that you would use if you were having a romantic relationship with someone. Mika wonders about whether she could spend the rest of her life with Tresca, and what if Tresca were to ditch her or you know, kind of dump her. So even though, again, she's not completely aware yet of how she feels about Tresca, it's creeping into her dialogue. And panel four, you can see the currency that Mika's holding. Chotia. I don't really know what denomination this is, as I think I've said before, but there you go, that's what it looks like. This panel wasn't really put in there to see what the currency looked like, it was just to have something to cut away to instead of showing Mika's face every single panel for the entire page. So as most of Mika's internal monologues go, they end up with her being unhappy about herself, which leads into the final panel, which is probably one of the most important panels on this page, where you get to see Sydney again for the first time, 170 pages or so after she made her last appearance. And of course, at this time, you don't actually know what her name was. So a lot of people were calling her Nemesis Girl and things like that. And also, too, for those of you who weren't here at the time, in the header of the page, you have the portraits of Mika and Sydney. At this time, the portrait of Sydney was actually blacked out. And so what you had was just basically the silhouette of Sydney, and you couldn't really tell what it was. Some people thought it was a pair of wings. People had no idea. Other people thought it was Mika's shadow. Eventually, I changed it to be Sydney was revealed, and I forget when I did it. I think it was when Evan specified who she actually was, Commander Sydney Reed of the Durad. What I really find fascinating about introducing Sydney again on this page was that people didn't pick up on it right away, and it was something that made me very happy and very amazed because I thought it was fairly distinctive, her hair and the pattern on her outfit, but people didn't notice it until a day or two later, and someone said, hey, that looks kind of familiar. And then everyone, all of a sudden, everyone was like, wow! So there you go, page 185. Can you imagine being halfway decent to the customers sometimes? That's a nice reference. Sydney walks in. You still don't get to actually see her face in this page, which is kind of fun. And Sydney's just kind of mean to everyone, so she kicks these guys out. The fourth panel on this page, I still feel kind of bad about. I posted it, and I didn't realize what I was doing until someone mentioned that, hey, it kind of looks like that's sort of phallic there. And then I looked at it again, and I'm like, oh my god, it's like she's just grabbing a cock. It kind of blew my mind that I could do that without even recognizing it. I still feel really embarrassed about it. You'll notice, too, that Sydney dresses differently than the other Durad that she's around, which kind of ties into her backstory. So the reactions of these guys kind of establish that Sydney already has a reputation. The two guys who are facing her know who she is and are kind of appalled that the guy who can't see her has just told her to piss off. But then he sees her and freaks out. Page 186. Run, you sons of bitches, run! 
that's a reference to the mummy where some guys are running down the stairs and say run you sons of bitches run so Sydney, having commandeered the table is now giving orders to the waitress and Mika thinks that Sydney's a bitch and this was a bit of a mistake here in the sense that Mika thinks that Sydney's a bitch and then Sydney kind of goes hmm in the next panel and it wasn't that Sydney was taking note of what Mika thought like she was psychic or something but Sydney noticed Annika sitting there which you see in the next panel but unfortunately because of the way that they're right next to each other people kind of assume that Sydney had heard what Mika was thinking and it just was not the case at all. Note too that in this panel you can see it in particular Mika hasn't actually had much of her beer which is kind of important for her being in a fight with Sydney otherwise she'd be you know you don't want her to be fall down drunk. So there's Annika appearing for the first time at least her entire body and Sydney has a reason to want to deal with her too. Page 187 Sydney is continuing to be mean to everyone and throws the waitress out of the way. Interesting thing is that people were wondering what the crash was in panel three, and I thought it was fairly obvious. It was the stuff the waitress had on her tray falling to the ground and crashing, but people thought it was something else as Sydney was making her way through the restaurant, which I don't know why they thought that, but no, it was just the stuff falling off her tray. Anyways, the crash catches Annika's attention, but it's too late by the time she recognizes that Sydney's there. Sydney's already right on top of her, and sort of obliquely mentions that she's been looking for Annika. Not her personally, but there's the whole warrant thing for her arrest, which gets discussed in Chapter 5, and Mika is indignant about this. I don't think she would care too much if it had been someone else, but the fact that Sydney had already come in and been obnoxious to begin with, and then went ahead and was now being mean to Annika, sets Mika off. Page 188. The guys who were with Sydney are both mages, as you can kind of see from their behavior, and tagging along with her, they kind of have an idea of what they need to do, since, of course, they know who Annika is also. And so they're trying to block her. And it's not the blocking thing that they do isn't like a debuff or something. It's not that you just cast it and forget about it, but they sort of have to maintain it, the importance of which I'll explain in a page or two. Sydney does a little bit more explaining about what she's going to do to Annika. She's not actually going to kill her, but I don't think Sydney intends to let Annika get back to headquarters in one piece. So Mika's righteous indignation gets even more righteous and more indignant as she sees Annika about to be arrested and taken away, and has second thoughts about whether or not she should do something about it, and then we have the very obvious flashback to Tresca telling Mika that she has to stick up for her, so she does. Page 189, Mika exercising her fine diplomatic skills, just ordering people around, and Annika and Sydney both react in the second panel because Annika knows how dangerous Sydney is, Sydney knows how dangerous Sydney is, and they're both kind of astonished by someone actually just telling Sydney what to do. And Sydney, not very politically correct, makes the racial joke, which other people have already made, so I guess it's not uncommon in this world. And here we have another fight scene, so sure enough we need another cutaway to Mika drawing her sword. Page 190, warm up, this is like Dragon Ball Z or something where it takes 45 minutes to cast a spell. Oh wait, time out, hang on, no wait, I'm not done. Wait, okay, no, no, wait, hang on, okay. Yeah. So people were suggesting that Mika should just run right up and stab him with the sword or something, but you know there are a couple reasons that Mika doesn't do that. One, because she doesn't really have any idea what the hell they're doing. And two, because, well, even if she did, she doesn't know how long it's going to take for them to cast the magic, so you know, there's no way she knows that charging them might or might not work, which it probably wouldn't have, because they're about to unleash their fury upon her at the end of this page. And all the characters are kind of looking pretty bad at this point, Sydney in particular. She has all the same elements in her outfit and everything in her appearance that she does now. It's just that she doesn't look very good. Page 191. I tried not to think of the word searing or flesh. This is one of my proudest moments in Falcon Twin. I managed to get at least three Fight Club references on a single page. Obviously, there's the title of the page, 
in panel three there's a person saying what's that smell as they all run out of the building and then you can't see it now but at the time I had a link to this video of Japanese girls hitting each other and I titled that I want you to hit me as hard as you can and that was a very strange video too I still have it lying around somewhere it was just someone who had gone up to Japanese girls on the street and asked them to hit their friends and they were doing it so it was just three or four minutes of Japanese girls in the middle of downtown wherever they were just smacking each other a very strange video and also this was a funny scene too because as Annika sets the guys on fire immediately everyone started thinking that this was the prologue you know because there's fire and oh my god it's gonna be the thing it's ending already oh no from this point onward every time Mika and Sydney get into a fight everyone seems to assume that it's somehow gonna be the prologue scene and this was the most obvious one where you can kind of understand why they would come to that conclusion but it happens every time it seems oh my god is there gonna set a building on fire somehow no when it gets there it gets there so everyone runs out having seen the guys being set on fire and this is what I was talking about with the guys having to maintain focus to keep Annika's magic blocked Mika having distracted them made it possible for Annika to actually set them both on fire not Sydney of course because Sydney's capable of blocking that as explained later on and Annika kind of knows that she doesn't really have the opportunity to participate in this fight from now on because she knows that Sydney's gonna knock her clean unconscious which she does in page 192, my first bus ride. Now, I'd really wish I could play a segment from this because it's one of my favorite pieces of music, but I can't because I don't have permission to use it, which is unfortunate. At any rate, this is the action cue from The Mummy Returns, and it is by far one of my favorite uh, action cues, or even movie cues, period, of all time. It's a really great piece of audio and a really great soundtrack, and I highly recommend you pick it up and listen to it. The entire scene here is sort of structured around that, the way that the music gets kind of faster and then it slows down a little bit then it picks back up and it slows down a little bit and it alternates back and forth a few times before it finally builds to a head and then releases and so in this scene we have Mika and Sydney fighting and then Evan and Tresca and then Mika and Sydney fighting then back to Evan and Tresca and that goes back and forth a few times and then builds up to the scene where Mika blasts Sydney through the door too so the fight begins Sydney pounds Annika who slumps down unconscious and decides to deal with the person with the sword and a nice composition in the last panel even though the characters look kind of awkward a nice sort of composition of the classic hero on the one side and villain on the other side and they're both going at each other page 193 catcher so this is just a fight scene not a heck of a lot to talk about this is a nice thing about Sydney's design from a, a visual perspective is that she has this very nice long ponytail on her hair which looks very nice when she's moving around because it kind of moves in the opposite direction of whatever direction she's moving so it's a very sort of dynamic thing for her and so they fight they fight Mika catches Sydney's hand Sydney's a little bit annoyed by this finally page 194 getting pushy now this is the time that I mentioned that I tried to make up for something in the strip with a title and I don't think I pulled it off the point of this title on this page was that in panel 3 Mika pushes Sydney away but the problem is that it kind of looks also like Sydney's just yanking her arm away, which wasn't the case. And if you look at the last two panels, you can kind of see that Mika's sort of looking down at Sydney and Sydney's angrily looking back at Mika, which kind of suggests that Mika pushed her away, but not very well. So I tried to cover that up with the title and it didn't work out so well. So at this pause in the fight between Mika and Sydney, I will pause as well. I'll be back next time to talk about the rest of this chapter. If you have questions or comments, you can email them to me at bman at falcontwin.com or leave a message in the forums. So there.